John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcast. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening. Welcome back to the Compound Podcast. I don't know what number episode this is. 54. I think it's more It's more than that. It's in the high 50s, I think. I don't think we're to 60 yet. Zach's uh, part of the Detroit Taxi Squad now, so big. He's in a suite right now. He's he's in a suite watching the game. He FaceTimed me. I was like, oh, must be nice. Tough gig, huh? His only message was that Akil Badu is the MVP. That guy never gets out, huh? No, he has another like RBI double today. The guy's a freak. So were they there in Houston headed to Oakland tonight? Yeah, he said they fly to Oakland after. So no Zach, uh, for good reason. So we got Dom instead because we need some, we need some morale. The Cubbies need some morale and they need it bad. Hello everyone. Thank you for having me. That was a great intro. Ian, we're going to lift up your spirits. Um, episode 54, I believe. All, you know what? If I have to carry this thing, I will. You might have to. I might have to. That's fine. <clears throat> hey, my, my, spirits are, my spirits are still high. Dom, I'm here with you. I, I, I love it. I love it. This episode is brought to you by Parse Rum, as always. Dakota, will you give us a little bit of insight into uh, your spring training? What's the, uh, what's the word at spring training? It's uh it's a whole lot of fun. Um I enjoy the Arizona heat. Uh we don't do the same thing every day. It's uh it's fun. We're having a good time here. It's good. It's good. Good. Good time. <laughs> yeah. Heard you guys ran I, out of uh heard you guys ran out of quarantine coffee out of the Connect stuff. Yeah, and our part owner of Connect Roasters can't even hook us up with anything. It's unbelievable, this guy. I yeah I told them they should be sending coffee. Well, I told Julia, nutritionist, that they should be buying coffee because it's not just a big league thing. Okay, it's not just big league camp that gets everybody on in the Cubs organization, top to bottom. If we want to be on the same page, we should all be drinking good coffee. See, but what me and McNulty said, Mike McNulty, we said forget all that, Ian. Just send me and him some, and then me and Scott are going to split some, and then McNulty gets a bag. Like, we're not, we're not really so much worried about everybody else. It's just us. McNulty and I have been through a lot together. He deserves coffee for life. That's hey, he, He'll be happy to hear that. This is going to immediately lift my spirits, and probably is going to lift the spirits of the entire fan base, which is important right now because everybody needs a little lift. Connect Roasters is partnering with Dom to bring morale blend okay to start your morning every morning with morale i love that i don't know how did you not know i thought you would know but anyways the morale blend is something that i've been hinting at for a while uh ian i know we've been working on it since i feel like january 
coming up with the ideas back and forth, the home run club, even though that's not specifically related to the morale blend. But overall, yes, the morale blend is going to be live. It's incredibly exciting on many fronts. The first front being that um, I know I've done collabs with other players, but having the opportunity to do a true collab with Ian and the Connect Gang is awesome. I'm incredibly thankful for it. And now, not to mention the fact that we'll be able to partner with the uh, Greater First T Chicago, Ian, I think I'm saying that correctly, Correct. to help uh, for each sale, is uh, there's going to be money going to that organization. I know Ian and I, well, when we do talk, we sometimes talk about golf. I know it's passionate to Ian. I shot a 75 the other day. I still haven't gotten a, you know, a congratulations about that. You know, I'm waiting <laughs> on that. I even, I even tweeted out that I, I used Parse Rum Tease the entire time. Never got a congratulations. I just got a like. But you know what? I'm just going to leave that by the side because we're trying to push this thing forward with the morale blend. But it's all going to, to uh, underprivileged kids in the city of Chicago, which I'm incredibly passionate about. And the fact that we can involve not only the players like Ian and hopefully others as this progresses, but um, give back to the community, underprivileged kids and the youth of the city of Chicago to get involved with the great game of golf, I think is awesome. And um, I'm super excited about it, especially where this will go in terms of the content that's going to come from this. And specifically when Ian's hitting home runs, you can really only tie it back to one thing and that's the morale blend. It's going to be amazing. I you, am keyword. There was when Ian's hitting home runs. Cause we know they're coming. They're, they're coming. coming. Absolutely. They're coming. I'm not going to say that when the offense breaks out, <laughs> After this off day, it's going to be all because of morale blend, but it's going to be a big part of it. I'll tell you that. It's going to be a big part of it. It's going to be a big part of it. You know, I was thinking not to – well, you know, I know we might talk about it a little bit. But with where we are with the team right now, we're going to get back to the basics. We're going to get all hands on deck. And whatever you can do to help out this team is what you have to do. I don't mean to get all historical on you, but going back to – the late president FDR who died two days ago, going back to his famous quote, what can I, don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And if that means that I have to put out the morale blind, if that means I have to pump up Ian Happ, if that means that I need to get this, the best nine fired up on a daily basis so we can start hitting run, getting runs, that we can start hitting tanks, that we can start winning games, whatever has to be done, I'm willing to do that. And I know there's a bunch of other Cubs fans that are willing to do that as well. I think you're going to see Cubs fans walking into Wrigley into the bleachers with hard hats on and morale blends in their pockets. With uh, literally, they're going to be like bringing flasks of uh, morale blend, swigging coffee, and wearing hard hats because it's coming. It is coming. Wearing their Sunday best when Jake's pitching. <laughs> Dakota, you would really appreciate uh, a Ducey has been saying that the. The table is getting hot. Okay, right now we're in the middle. We're in the middle of a cold stretch. Okay, a lot of twos and threes being turned, but the table is going to get hot. It's just a matter of time. I'd like to say right now, I'd 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 correlate it more to craps. Like right now, the dice are cold. Like you've had about two straight guys roll double. Like you're rolling out a lot of sevens right now, and we don't need that. And that's okay. But you know what? You pass the dice to one guy. All of a sudden, that one guy gets hot. Everyone else is getting hot. Before you know it, you got a bonfire going, and it things are nuts. One guy. It just takes one guy. It takes That's one what, guy. 
It takes one guy. You you all know better than I do. You all know better than I do. You get one guy turning it loose. You get one guy getting back to the dugout and saying, that guy's going to fire us up. That guy's going to get us going. And then it's just contagious. Hitting is contagious. I'm not the one who said that. That's been going on for years. Hitting is contagious. I know Chris is doing well, but we get a few more guys to get it moving, get it pumping. There's no reason why we can't get these things turning. And, again, I don't mean to make excuses, but you guys are only 5-7. and seven. It's not like it's it's not like it's 0-12. and 12. You guys are, Ian, can I say it, historically bad right now. That's very true. That it's actually people have been tweeting about the history. We're making history. A historically bad stretch, and you're still five and seven. And the fact that we can turn this thing around with the players that are on this roster, adding to the morale blend, adding to the whatever. One guy gets hot, the the vibes, the weather gets warmer, the wind's blowing out. There's no reason why this can't turn around in 150 games. I will agree with that. If you go on. Twitter right now, you would think the Cubs are 0-12 and, and like sell the team. Like you would think the world is burning. But five yeah. and seven's not that bad. That's pl- plenty, plenty. I mean, what do you got? 150 more games to go. That's the craziest part of this thing. There's 150 more games left. I think after last year, everything got so um, I don't know, magnified in the 60 game season that it's like, whoa. We still got 150 left, boys. It's going to be okay. Last year, this was, you know, a sixth of the season. It was more than that. It was like, You, you oh might shit, be in trouble if it was up. last year. Oh, we'd be in trouble. But yeah. this year, it's like, pff, 150 left. We're going to write the ship. Everything is going to figure itself out. Statistically, this isn't sustainable. It's not possible. And if it is, you should get an award for it. That's exactly you right. you show up every day and put in the work, and care and do all this stuff and still play at the level the offense is playing right now, then you should get an award. That would be mentally the most challenging thing <laughs> ever because right now looking up at the scoreboard and seeing those numbers is a grinder and yeah. barreling a ball in your first at bat, like right at somebody. And then you watch the next guy like hit a ball and make diving player like Riz 114 off the bat today, one hopper into the shift. You're just watching it all happen. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. I can't possibly do this forever. Ian, I want to ask you specifically. Like, I know, again, I never played pro ball, but is there, like, the still uh, the mindset from a big leaguer in terms of, like, hey, like, hit the ball hard, you win, or just, like, barreling up balls, you're getting that positive vibes from that? Like, how, how far does that go at the big league level when the, you know uh, – stress and the uh, focus on the team is so high, higher than any other level. I, I think that that it depends guy to guy, but like, that's the general rule of thumb It's like, you hit the ball hard you make good contact, like nice swing way to swing it. But there is like a point where it's like, well, if you say way to swing it by a week in a row, it's like guys get frustrated. Like you get, fr- even if you're barreling shit up, like my metrics personally, like balls in the air, walking getting on base not striking at all too much uh like hard contact like all those things kind of look pretty normal for me pretty good but like my, my bad bit balls batting average on balls in play is like zero like it's like less than a hundred we're talking about historically like my career average is like three i have a, a guy that has a 290 to 320 bad every year and right now it's like a hundred so you know what the best thing about that best part about that is 
that means a 500 stretch is coming where everything I hits. It has to regress to the mean. It's gonna the back of the baseball card doesn't lie. Exactly. I don't. It, it like again. I don't want to tell you how how to look at the game, but I would feel personally if I'm in that stretch that you're in right now, I'm feeling good. I feel like I have nothing to lose right now because I know something's coming. I know something's coming. That's that's the best part about something like this, is you know that the floodgates are gonna open, and the whole team's gonna get dangerous at the same time. And when the team gets dangerous at the same time, I'm not saying that it's going to be because of morale blend, but it's going to be a factor. Exactly. Especially when it's in the dugout and you have uh, beans coming out of your pocket as we go, as you walk down the dugout steps, when you run out to center field, when people are literally throwing morale beans at you from the bleachers. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're going to be in my back pocket on Friday, but. Can we just talk about this? This, this didn't get enough talk the other night. Morale shove. Do you have a perfect game going into the fifth? He had one hit. One hit? One hit. Shoved. Yeah. Shoved. Looked incredible. Chafin has a bad outing. Whatever. Whatever it is, he looked awesome. It was great to see. And the fact that he was as confident as he was coming off that first start was absolutely incredible. A morale athlete and a guy that I want taking the ball, even early on in his, in his Cubs career. He, he looked really good. Uh, I think he learned a lot from that start, too. Just the command he had, the fastball, sliders over the plate, throwing pitches in the right spots. Um, and he came out of the game really positive. I like his attitude. He's a, he's a guy who has – he just really wants to be good. Nicest dude in the world, but he just really wants to be good at baseball. He loves baseball. Like, he is – eats, sleeps, breathes baseball. I've played with him for, like, three years now. I love playing with that. And then he got to watch Steele make his debut, and they've been boys coming up. Uh, they've played together for a long time. How, how many years did you play with Steele? I played with him in high A and then again in double A. So, like, 17 and 18. I played with him for, like, two half seasons. And then, again, last year at the alt site, we were there together. So, I've known Steele for a long time, too. I played with him for a minute in – Short season, I think that was the only time we lined up. I didn't realize that he throws like 95-mile-an-hour cutters. I don't think he tries to cut it. Sometimes it cuts, sometimes it two-seams, right? Yeah. Efros, my source on this, has seen him throw a lot more than me, and he said sometimes it's just whatever it's really doing that day is what it's doing. I was watching him from center during his debut, and it was like 95-mile-an-hour cutters, and I was like – Kind of yeah. gross. Yeah. Yeah, that'll play. Also, let's can we just touch real quick on how cool it was for Pedro Schroep to be back in a Cubs uniform and come in, clean inning, and then the, he gives the Cubbies a boost to go out and win that baseball game yesterday? That was awesome. I mean, he won the team that game. He won the team. No, 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 taking no credit away from the other players, but he won that game. I'm speaking from a fan, the guy who's been watching this dude since 2014 in my college dorm room, making videos of him pumping, uh, striking guys out and pumping his chest. I never thought I would see a video like that yesterday where he strikes a guy out after the last couple of years after him, you know, potentially being hurt, the V loads. I never thought it would come again. And the fact that he was able to do that's absolutely incredible. And just a morale guy. I mean, Ian, you know it more than I do. But from a fan's perspective, a guy that just gets people fired up, good vibes, the whole deal. 
absolutely incredible. One of my all-time favorite Cubs of all time. Absolutely love him. Awesome dude in the clubhouse. And you know, I got to play with him 17, 18, 19. And his – the moment after he, he gets that last out, he comes off the field, him and Rizzo hugging the dugout. You know, those guys play together since 14, I guess. Um, just a really cool moment for those two guys. Weird to see Stropey with the 64 on the back. But who is Kimbrell 46? Kimbrell's 46, yeah. I mean, Dirty Craig, 350 well, saves. What are you going to do? But, but Cubs wise, it's John Lester Reigns. I think, Come on. I, well, I think when we got Kimbrell in 19 and he wore 24. Yeah, he wore some, he wore, yeah, we, it looked weird on him. I, I will think say he, that. Wore he wore 24 and, and then right. and Stropey, uh, they didn't sign him back. Then Kimbrel switched to 46 last year. He's like MJ now. He's like the 45 MJ. That's exactly right. Yeah. Just like a different version of Pedro. Getting it it was, <laughs> seen Strophy out there is just awesome. And big, big shout out to Craig Kimball with 350 saves. That's a hilarious number. Like it's tough to even process that. Ian, what's it like facing him? I mean, is it just that the four seam is riding so, so high just because of where it's coming from and it just like gets on you so fast, even though the velo has come down a little bit? Like, what's that like? And then the breaking ball is just something else. I, I never faced him before, like on another team. I've only faced him in like live BPs. Uh, but it just, his fastball has life and he does. He, I think, I don't know if he was the first guy to do this or because more guys do it now, but like he gets so low to the ground. He kind of, when he strides, like he gets so low and then it's almost like it's coming up. Yeah. He's really good at staying like behind the ball. Like the more you stay behind, the more true spin you get. And that's why it looks like it's like riding up in the zone, yeah. which on TV, like you won't convince me it's not actually rising. Like it literally looks like it's going up. Yeah. Do you see that dude from the Giants who was actually he's a submariner that was actually throwing rising sliders? He was throwing sliders from the ground that were going literally softball pitch down up. Yeah. That sounds fun to try to hit against. What's his name? Taylor Rogers, maybe. Yeah, I faced him. That was my first career professional at bat. I literally it was my first time ever having to hit in pro ball. I was in triple A. And they run me out there to face this guy. And when I go out there, he's got – his stats are up and left. It was in Sacramento. And he's got like a .7 whip in like a one ERA. I'm like, this will be fun. I literally like jumped out of the way of every pitch. I was like, this guy's disgusting. He's the best pitcher I've ever seen in my life. Like I had a chance with a helmet that isn't even on my head all the way because it doesn't fit. It was fun. I had a good time. I struck out on four pitches. Some of the – some of the pitches – I don't know. Corbin Burns today was throwing 98 mile an hour cutters like all over the place. Uh, just like 91 mile an hour changeups. I, I, I didn't want to bring that up Ian, but that at bat that he cage you looking, that was a disgusting pitch. He literally went like two seam off and then like cutter that like dotted. Yeah. Backdoor, backdoor cutter that was in the other batter's box the whole time until it was a strike. Yeah, that was, that was gross at 98. There's not much you can do with that. No, first at bat he went backdoor cutter, and then he threw a cutter that almost hit me that I swung at and broke my bat. 
And then he threw me a 91 mile an hour change up off the same line. It's like, okay, well, all right. That's just not fair. This is no, no, really. This is, I'm having fun out here. No, really. This is great. It's going to turn. It's going to turn. We're, we're just getting it off our chest now. We're just getting it off our chest now. Whatever, whatever we got it from a fan's perspective, whatever us as fans have to do to get this thing moving again, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Probably drink morale blend every day. That's what all the fans are going to be doing. We need the entire fan base drinking morale blend to start their morning and just firing up the morale train, running through brick walls. It's going to happen. Is there any other way to wake up with morale? I mean, I get tweets and DMs all the time from just, Dom, I need morale. I need, like, no context. No, like, I need morale. And the first thing I'll tell them, go make the coffee right now. Yeah, liquid, make, liquid morale. Take a deep breath, settle down, go walk to your kitchen and make a cup right now. And we'll regroup from there. We are taking morale and we're putting it into a liquid so you can actually put it into your body. And can you, since you're more of the uh, coffee, what's the term like for wine? It's a sommelier. Is there a term for like a coffee uh, expert, if you will? I don't know. We'll Ro- call it a connoisseur. I don't know. Roastmaster? Okay. Ro- whatever. Roastmaster. That's not me, but... Can you describe, because I think you're a little bit more in tune than I am, to what type of blend the morale blend will be? Yeah, morale blend is going to be Guatemalan. It's going to be roasted medium, not dark, but a little bit medium on the darker side. Uh, it's going to be a great neutral cup of coffee. Still a lot of the a lot of the same elements of that middle ground, not too fruity, definitely not burnt because don't believe in that. Uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. I think they're going to enjoy the addition into the connect uh, lineup, but I also think that it's like a great everyday cup of coffee. People are going to enjoy roasting for the whole family. And I just, the, the bag's awesome. The, the whole product is going to be really cool. And I can't wait to see like once people start getting it in and, tweeting pictures and stuff um connectrosters.com is where you can get it and there'll be a lot of information on that tomorrow uh i'm i couldn't be more fired up for this like i started this episode not uh in a great place and now i have morale i'm I'm oozing with morale now and and i will say this to the people who are uh aware with what i've done for a while this is a true collaboration like Ian, I remember the first time when you brought this up idea, brought this idea up to me. I was driving to work. You texted me at like seven a.m. and you're like, "What do you think about this?" And then we started talking, coming up with the idea, coming up with the image. That luckily we hit right off the bat. That was one of my biggest worries right off the bat. The whole deal and everything that's going to come from this, I think, is awesome. And again, this is a true, true collaboration in an effort to again get people their morale, but also serve underprivileged kids in the city of Chicago, which I can't be more happy about. Yeah. The partnership with the first tee is really great. We've been looking for a way. Um, yeah. I've done some stuff with the first tee, but when we were talking about what charity we could benefit and how we could help, you know, giving back to kids and making sure that uh, we were serving the community in Chicago was, was huge. And the new first tee spot, um, the Waveland project that's literally down the street from Wrigley, uh, 
is a big deal. It all it all connects. It all ties together. Fired up, absolutely fired up. Do we have a, a Scott Efros question of the day, Dakota? I believe so. He was rehearsing about ten different ones on me before before we came on, so he better have narrowed it down to one. Scott, nice to meet you. I didn't know that was you to begin with. Nice to meet you. Tom, it's a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Long time, to- long time follower. Um, yeah, what an honor. Thanks. Scott, what hat is that? It's a Browns hat. Talk about morale. Browns, uh, big signing day, Javion Clowney. Uh, just loading the front uh, <laughs> front four <laughs> of the the, uh, the defense for next season. So very excited. Very excited. Ian, fellow Browns fan, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a very good Browns fan. but I, yep. Ian's a fan of whatever like fits the storyline. Like if they're like, oh, he's from Pittsburgh. He's a Steelers fan. Like, oh, he's in Chicago. He's a Bears fan. Like, so, yeah, you know, whatever. Whatever you need me to be. Watching watching the games, you do wear a lot of hats. It's like when you're in Pittsburgh, you went to Pirates games. Your dad, I believe, was an Indian fan. You, when you're in Cincinnati, it was because you went to Cincinnati. And the Browns now, it's uh, wear a lot of hats. I'm just a, I'm just a Midwest guy. I'm just a guy who just floats around floats around the Midwest. Try to get Trubisky on the podcast. But yeah. Yeah, he didn't. He he had no desire to come on the podcast. <laughs> It's all right. We'll get Andy Dalton on. We'll get Andy Dalton instead. We'll get Andy Dalton on. Scott, what's your question? Okay, so yeah, uh, practicing a few. Got a few. uh, Yeah. (laughs) He kept asking. He's like, "Is that a good one?" I'm like, "I don't know, man. It's your question." All right. So uh, you know, weather's turning. It's getting very nice out. I'm sure you guys have uh, enjoyed that a little bit, except you've been inside in Milwaukee. Um, But weather turning makes me think of summer. Um, Talk about morale. Uh, thinking about summer baseball when you're a kid growing up, what is one, it doesn't have to be your favorite, but a standout moment you had from like a travel ball team or a community team. Uh, me and Dakota were thinking of some before the uh, show started. Dom, I'm sure you can answer these as well growing up playing baseball. Yeah. Um, anything off the top of your head that stands out? Just, a, you know, a good memory of playing baseball, maybe help with morale, positive word that we've been talking about here. Yeah. Yeah, great question. Love to bring it back to when you were a kid. The first thing that popped into my head was when I was eight years old, we had, you know, it was coach pitch still. I played on a team with David Bender, who is a reliever with the Pirates now. Uh, And so he moved actually after when we were, after we were eight, he moved to a different township, but we played together uh, when we were eight years old and had a coach that would like, basically chest bump everybody so you make a great play and you'd like flying chest bump you and like little eight-year-olds jumping up and like barely touching him you know um but i remember we were like pra- it wasn't even like a game it was like practice and they were like throwing fly balls and you and you're eight like you think you made like a jim Edmonds superman diving play but you probably just like flopped and caught it and just like so fired up like that was man that was when baseball was fun but it was really cool because seeing uh david playing against him with the pirates um, and then seeing his family and my mom was there and uh, pretty cool all the way around. Also uh, Troy Apke uh, safety or, or cornerback for the Washington football team uh, was also on that team. So we were stacked at eight years old. Lafayette guy, Bednar, right? Yeah. Yeah. His, his little brother, Will is a stud at I think Mississippi state. Okay. I got you. I can go. I can go if you want to answer. I think it all comes back to your all-star team getting the first. Again, at least where I'm from, you don't like having your travel all-star team. You know what I'm saying? Like post farm league. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? 
get that jersey. I've never worn a jersey with more pride. At 10 years old, you get that first jersey for your town, and it's you got your name on your back, and you feel like you're in the show. And then you start playing under the lights for the first time where the travel ball games go on under the – I mean – you can't beat that. And the fact you got your name on your back and you look at the, the year above you, I thought they were Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and Mickey Mantle all come. I was like, these guys are absolutely incredible. And to wear that same jersey as a 10-year-old, you can listen to the pride in my voice that I still have. I, I, I'll never – I still have the jersey in my closet. I just moved into this house. Still have the jersey in my closet with my name on my back. Um, that's something I'll never forget, playing under the lights. And I think a lot of – I think – you all would uh, relate to that for sure. Did you have Did you have lights at multiple fields in your community, or was it like one field that had lights? We had one field. We had one field with lights. It was a big deal. It was actually like the only field with lights around here. So when you're playing, and it was like one of those complexes with like four fields, and they all had lights. And you know, summertime, big game starts at seven thirty. You're getting warmed up, and you know, as a kid too, like you play with your buddies, and like every game was a huge game. Like you, like you didn't really know what to talk about as a kid. And you're like, man, this is a huge game. Yeah. I, I never hit a home run out of that field, but it was again, something I'll never forget. We also, we had one field in the community that had lights. It was called Dixon. And so all the other like elementary schools or fields were just like dirt fields with no lights. And then you got, you finally got the game at Dixon also an all dirt field, but you finally got that game and it was like, Oh, this field's majestic. I drove by it uh, last last week. Uh, it's like grass and the dirt and the infield and stuff. It's like it's not in great shape right now. But I but like remembering that at eight years old, like it was like that was the spot. I must have grew up in a pretty nice area then, because every field we had had lights. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> humble. Break. That was just a regular. That was, I think I'm I'm thinking back, and I swear every field had them. <laughs> yeah. That's it. We're built different. All right. We had no lights. <laughs> it was all dirt. It was getting hit in the face with bad hops. Built different. Playing on grass fields where you, where you, where you put the base in, you know, down, down there at second base. I mean, yeah, we're getting bad hops all the time, taking off the chest, just wearing it like a hockey goal. I didn't, I, it, when I was in high school, there was like two grass fields. Like it was, if you got to play in a field that had grass in high school, it was like, holy shit, this field's got grass. What wait, is this, a university? On, wait, you played on dirt? Our high school field was all dirt. There was no, there was no grass in the infield. You just get smoked in the face all the time. Did you have a mound? What? Did you have a mound? Yeah, like we had a mound. Actual, you had a mound. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I'll be honest with you. That's kind of sick, though. An all dirt field is kind of sick. Yeah. And now I go back and it's all turf. And I told the, I was, I saw the high school kids and I was like, hey, why don't you go, go to the parking lot and take some balls in the parking lot and. <laughs> toughen up you'll see what i had to deal with yeah like the old man yelling at the clouds dakota what's your uh little league memory i said i said mine to scott earlier a little different than actually playing but my favorite was travel ball on the roads because uh the parents seemed to have more fun than the kids did we would like the kid like we were like 14 or 15 so we would like go see a movie and we'd come back and all the parents are just in the lobby hammered and just like playing cards and i was like that looks like so much fun. I remember one time we went to a movie or my like mom and sisters and then like some of the other moms were going to see the Chronicles of Narnia. And one of my buddy's dads comes up to me, he's hammered. He goes, Hey Dakota, you going to go see Chronicles of Narnia with them? And I'm just like, uh, no, what? I was like terrified of them. 
but I mean, it, it, I love summer ball, like the traveling and staying in hotels. It was a blast, but that's the first memory that came to my mind was the parents. Yeah. From Pittsburgh, it'd be like, it'd be like, we're going to a tournament in Virginia. It'd be like, sick. We're going to Virginia. Awesome. We would go from Grand Rapids, Michigan to South Bend, Indiana. And I was like, this is going to be so sick. And it's like an hour from our house. Yeah. Ian, I would say, again, never played in the big leagues, never played pro ball. But I can say as a like 15 to 16 year old making that trip, at least here growing up in Chicago, making that like travel ball series in high school, like you go to Indianapolis and you go to St. Louis and you go to Louisville, go to Cincinnati. Like that, it felt like I was in the big leagues. You play your games, you come back home, you regroup, you go to your next homestand. That whole deal is ridiculous. The whole travel ball scene, especially today, is absurd. The parents driving you everywhere, and you're staying in hotels every night like you're in the show. It's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you're playing, you're playing three games in one day, and then like your parents are scrubbing your pants in the yeah. in the tub to like get the dirt out so you don't have a dirty uniform the next day. Absolutely crazy. You're like eating out for a week, literally for like two months straight. You're just eating out all the time. I mean getting like fired up to go to Outback. Oh, there's an outback. <laughs> putting up with that, I cannot even imagine. When I'm a parent, having to I'm it just it's not gonna happen. Be like, how about you just like uh, maybe draw and like we'll play golf together or something. Yeah, we'll still play golf. How about how about we work on how about we work at a hundred yards in at the range? <laughs> Scott, do you have a uh, do you have a story? The one that came to my mind was um, we were in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'm from Cleveland, so also a Midwest guy. But we were in Columbus, and we had one of those hotels. It was like a residence inn where it was like kind of like a nicer suite and it had like the little basketball court out front. I yeah. remember we were playing basketball. I remember playing basketball once and just all of a sudden we look on the, the side, <laughs> the side of the hotel and we see our center fielder, Johnny literally just climbing the hotel and all the parents, like the side, the siding of the hotel and all the parents like, get down. And we're like, Oh, keep going. That's cool. It's like really cool. That's um, <laughs> that was the first one that came to my mind. But yeah, also remember the, parents just that my the dads would go to the laundromat to drink and wash the clothes because it was an excuse to just leave and go drink somewhere else besides the hotel lobby electric and then you'd have clean uni the next day summer ball is literally like a joke it's more fun for the parents than i think like the kids have a blast but i think the parents have more fun like staying at hotels with other parents and just not having a care in the world because they're taking work off and they're like the, the it's just a vacation. It's like, it's like a, tr it's like a higher end trailer park boys vacation for a couple, for a couple <laughs> of months. That's what it is. That's kind of spot on. <laughs> Scott, did you, was there another question you had? No, I, I was, he shook that his was head. It? No. That's the, that's the one Scott Efros question today. Thanks for coming on Scott. Thanks Scott. Really appreciate it. Welcome. Absolute pleasure. We interrupt this programming to give you a very important message. DraftKings is trying to earn you money. You like money, Jake? I love that money. You like basketball? I love basketball. Well, basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season. DraftKings says you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer and you turn your $1 into $100 of free bets. Are you messing with me? Honest, swear on my brother's grave. DraftKings. We already bought the plot. America's He's top. alive and well. 
Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code COMPOUND when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three-pointer. That's code COMPOUND to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLERS or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Back to the show. It has been like 10 days since our last episode. So I think the Masters, we need to t- we need to touch on the Masters and kind of a wild back nine there. Shoffley had him on the ropes. I mean, the fact that it was 16, I believe it was a 189. You're talking about that upper left-hand pin. You got the big slope on the right side. I think he hits eight iron, and he said he hit it flush, got caught up in the wind, you know, one bounce goes into the water. I thought he was going to win it there. But again, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Hideki was close to getting that away. After he airmailed 15 yeah. into the water, I I was like, oh, no. Yeah. And then Shoffley has the momentum because he hits a nasty bunker shot to like an inch, almost holds it. And four then in a row. He had four birdies in a four, row. Four missed birdies e- in a row. He missed the eagle putt on 13 from like six feet. I mean. Yeah, we were we were on the plane and I was watching it. Uh and that that hole I've heard them talk a lot about how the wind swirls there on a couple of those holes. Uh and just I don't I, you said he he said he flushed it, right? See, that's what that's what I was gonna say. That's the biggest thing for me that I took away from that is he goes, We literally had a number in our head. I hit it pure. He's like in a gust of wind, just knocked it down. He's like, it's he, he said that he liked it because he was like, Well, I can't blame my caddy and I can't blame myself. So he's like, it just didn't work out. How, what are you thinking if you're him and you flush a golf shot and then you're like you just like watch it? You you watch your hopes and dreams of winning a Masters just trickle into the water. That's got to be demoralizing. Amazing that he finished the last two holes without like completely falling apart. He well, was- he started out the day bogeying. Uh, I think it was either three, four, five, or four, five, six. He was like three over through five holes, and he came all the way back to make it like as close as it was. It was very impressive to watch. He was seven back. Hideki was. Minus 13, Shoffley was minus six. I started watching it because it was after the Cubs game. I started watching after the game. And I, I want to say they were on like 10. And he's seven strokes back at 10. And he still think we'll find – I mean, the shot he hit at 13, uh, I don't know what he – I don't know what club, club he was, but going into the par five to absolutely stick it was incredible. And – I really like Shoffley. I think the last time I was on here, we talked about that. I think, wasn't it the last Masters that I was on? We talked about it? Yeah, yeah probably in November. He plays really well there. The fact that he was able to stick that. I mean, really good player. How about Zal Torres? I mean, the fact that he was able to hang on. America's sweetheart. That's, that's America's sweetheart over the course of a weekend. His whole look, the the happy Gilmore reference, I mean – the fact that uh, – who was it? Butch Harmon called him a one-iron without a grip. It just was absolutely, <laughs> absolutely incredible. And, um, God, there's so many good – there's so many guys to talk about in golf. It's incredible. 
Yeah, there's so many guys that are so good. I have to say, Spieth being in the hunt was great. And uh, the shot, Hideki was lights out the whole week. Yeah. His, I've never been to Augusta. The 18th hole, that tee shot that looks, looks so tough. intimidating. It's literally bunker straight. You can't see the fairway that you want to hit it. You have to literally hit a fade around trees to get fairway. Him, his shot on his tee shot on 18, like faded driver. And then like the nasty club twirl, like I just won the Masters. It was like, this is the last shot that I really have to focus on. He pured it and was like sick club twirl. And then his caddy with the bow to the course was just icing on the cake. He went for it too. I mean, he let that thing rip. That was like a straight up trying to open the face, just let it ride. And that's what he did. And if you overcook that fade, you're in the trees and you're looking at, it's a really, it's a really hard bogey from there because it's not an easy, it's not an easy hole to get close to from that angle from the right side, because it's everything slopes hard right to left onto the green. It was interesting to see, too, how – and I, I am a Bryson fan. I really like how he plays. You didn't hear a lot of whole – you didn't hear a whole bunch of talk about whatever par – what did he say last time? Par 67? 67. Par 67. Yeah. You didn't hear a lot about that. Driving it over the bunkers on 18, that's what he said he was going to do in November. Uh, you didn't hear a whole bunch of that. I am a Bryson fan. That court, I mean, Augusta's just not made for, like, long hitters. Like, that's not usually the guys I feel like that win at Augusta. Like it's the iron play that wins you the tournament, which is why it's just weird that he was so confident in it. Yeah. Zach Johnson going for, he did not wait when he won it. He didn't go for one par five and two the whole week. Right. Yeah. Really? Remember that? He won it like that. Must've been like 10 years ago. How do you win like that? Cause he just every, he put every wedge shot close. He just made a bunch of birdies. That's, so, the eagle aggressive. Thing. That's so aggressive. That's so aggressive. Can, not to go off topic, but can we just all agree there are a lot of great things in golf, but par fives are the best. Oh, yeah. Par, par fives are the best. Being able to, to get the risk involved, going after it, feeling like you're Tiger, taking out a three-wood, five-wood, long iron, whatever it is, and sticking it for a green and getting on for an eagle putt, there's nothing like it in golf. I will say I like a good risk award par five. Yeah. I do not love a an unreach like a 600 yard unreachable par five. Well, yeah, no, no. Ian, did you see the mess that JT made on Saturday of I think it's 13? I did when not. he got when he tripled it. So he like hit his driver, I think, like off to the right, and then he had to lay up. And then when his third shot, he was like 98 yards out, and he just left it a mile short, and it went right into the water. And then with his drop shot, he, like, shoots it 40 feet past the hole. First putt, leaves it, like, literally 20 feet short. And he ends up tripling the hole and, like, tournament over for him. It was the most – it was insane to watch Justin Thomas kind of implode like that. I think his game lines up well for that place, too. I've always yeah. thought, like, that he – one of these times he's just going to click it and win by, like, five shots. His game lines up well at any course. He's That's a good point. Unbelievable. Last thing – and I know we talked – this was a contentious topic last time. you got to get Rory back on track. I thought he was starting to figure it out because, like, he was struggling. And then he had – I forget what tournament it was, but he played in one tournament and was, was, like, looking better. But he – I mean, they were saying it, like, the announcers. They're like, he's fading some and he's pulling – like, it's not good when you're hitting it both ways because it's like, how do we fix that? Did yeah. you hear him talk about 
trying to chase speed. He made he made comments about like watching Bryson and how he dominated the U.S. Open last year, yeah. and then like starting to try to chase speed and like get like he was hitting drivers three fifty and like chasing speed, and then he said it messed up the rest of his swing. So he's not striking his irons the same way. It's just not like everything isn't as clean or as pure. And he like he basically said like I got caught up in chasing speed, probably shouldn't have done that, and now I have to fix everything else. He's in a mental bubble right now. He's yes. in a mental bubble. Yeah. For a very mental game. But Riz and I were talking about this after the Masters because JT texted him, I think. And it was like, can you, yeah, can you imagine, can you imagine like finishing the Masters, you know, maybe you finish 20th, maybe you don't make the cut, whatever. And you're like, played three, four weeks in a row, like a little tough stretch. I'm going to take a couple weeks off. Like need a mental break. Like imagine that. Yeah, a mental being break. able to take time off like that. Yeah, just whatever. Just make your own schedule. Take some time off. You know what happens in baseball when you're not going good? You're playing <laughs> the next day and you're getting it shoved down your fucking throat and you're five fucking at bats. And that's the thing, Ian. We were talking about it earlier. It's the deal when the team's not playing good and you're not hitting. It's totally different than just losing one or two run games. If you're putting up four to five, maybe six on a consistent basis, where you sprinkle in a two here and there, it's totally different. But when you have to see, because I think a lot of it has to do, Dakota, no offense, but when a pitcher pitches bad, you're just like, all right, get this guy out of here. We'll see him again. <laughs> we'll see him again next week. And then, and then you'll That's move true. on from there. The problem is with the position players, these guys, guys like Ian, God bless you, when you're not playing good, it's like, you know, you got to show up that next set bat. You got to take that next first pitch. And you got to grind it out on a daily basis. And there's nowhere to hide. You're sh- you stand up on that stage. It's your whole deal, and you got to figure it out one way or another. And as for some fans, it's like, man, you got to see this guy again. He's the worst. You know what I mean? It's 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 not the same as like the the pitching giving up a bunch of runs. Yeah, it's like when the li- when the lineup's struggling as a whole and it's the same lineup. It's like, oh shit, does he? God, we're gonna see the same thing over and over. But dude, you're right. Like when we were scoring seven eight runs, like losing a one run game or like eight to ten game everybody's like, ah, well, we'll get him tomorrow because the offense is doing it. You know what I'm waiting for, Ian? There, there, there's a spark plug in South Bend right now that's ready to go, that's ready to get the offense going when he's called upon. A man by the name of Nico Horner is ready to go when needed. When he's needed, he'll be the, ready. Do you see the pictures of him and, him and Zach? Yeah. Back, Zach, they said Zach, they were playing a game of tic-tac-toe at shortstop. Zach texted me and said, or he texted us, I guess, and said that they drove from Toledo to South Bend, took BP, the whole deal, like four outs, and then got rained out. Yeah. Drove all we, the way back. We, we, asked, uh, we asked Nico, we're like, who played better of you two? And Nico's like, well, I struck out and Zach didn't even get to hit. So I guess I'd say uh, Zach played better. <laughs> Dakota, I didn't mention this to you, but the last episode with Nico was absolutely hilarious. The, the Sal character, your friend, or Ian's friend, if, if that's how Ian's it was. Buddy, yeah. One of the the pickles in the sour cream, I could not I, – I was absolutely dying laughing driving to work listening to Sal, who left the Jordans out on the front porch, never touched him again after he didn't. off the plane. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. I told Ian, it's like – the fact that he would come in, no mask, hand sanitize everything, and the, the thing that the critical move was to leave the Jordans at the front door <laughs> so no one would get the coronavirus is incredible. 
and he never put him back on again. He never, never. wore him again. He left him for the Scorpions. They're Scorpion home now. Literally. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. All right. That's going to be the the episode. We have no idea. It's in the high 50s. Uh, <laughs> brought to you by Parse Rum. Remember, I guess tomorrow, today, this comes out tomorrow, so now it's today. Morale blend dropping, connectgrocers.com. Get some morale, liquid morale. I cannot wait for everybody to be hyped up on morale to start their mornings. And, it, and it's coming at a perfect time. It's perfect coming, time. It is coming at the time when it is needed most. And as we all know, things are going to turn around. Things are going to turn around. And again, like you said, Ian, maybe it won't be entirely the doing of the morale blend, but you cannot say there isn't going to be a part. When they write those stories in the paper a couple of weeks from now, well, what, what changed with the Cubs offense? What changed here? What changed there? Well, there's going to be a few things. First one is I came on the podcast for the third time. I am now, if not the am – I, am I the highest uh, – do I have the most times on the podcast right now at three? You are the most yes. frequent repeat guest. So the director of morale came on the podcast for the third time. The morale blend dropped. Whatever has to be done had to get done. I mean, Ian, and you can leave this in the podcast if you want. Who'd you call after the game today? Called you. Called me. We talked it out. We got we got our heads in the right direction. We started moving forward. We let we we vented a little bit, and now we're gonna progress forward into the off day, coming into the weekend series. It couldn't it couldn't be a more perfect script right now. It's what we need. Now we go. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here Screen for. I told really you that from the beginning. That. Told you that from the beginning. That's why we pay you the big bucks, Don. Thank you, Dakota. I appreciate it. <laughs> Dakota, do you have a do you have a screen time? Uh yeah. Let me check it out real oh, quick. Now that I'm like a host now, I have to tell you what my screen time is. I'm at four seventeen. Uh and four, I will say that two hours and ten minutes of that is travel. Four hours, five minutes. Damn it. And I'm two hours behind you. I'm four twenty two. So I went. Dom? Four twenty two. Oof. We're pretty close, though. Pretty all close, all yeah. around the same. 433. But I also have, I mean, again, when you're directing morale, like. <laughs> Part of the job. It, it, kind of, it's, it kind of is your job. It comes with the job. It you comes know? with your I mean, it does. It does. When you're, fielding, when you're fielding DMs and people are saying, Dom, I need morale. Dom, how are we going to get through this? Dom, how can you reach the best nine right now to get them to win this game? I feel though I feel those complaints and that comes right to my phone. You are now gonna just be able to copy and paste liquid morale. Go put it in your body. That's episode fifty something. Maybe JK will be on next week, maybe not. I'm gonna keep promising it until he comes on. Zach will hopefully be back next week. Dom, thank you so much. Brought to you by Parse Rum. See you next week.